You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about data strategy, modern data governance, and what a data-driven culture is. Everybody's talking about data today. A lot of people don't know what to do with it. To help us, we have with us Nick Amabile, CEO of DOS42. Nick, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Hey, Chad. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Really excited. I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. We always like to start with uh, kind of an oddball question, <laughs> just so the audience gets to know you a little better. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'm always curious to know something you're passionate about that those that only know you through work might be surprised to learn. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know if the team that I work with would be surprised to hear this, uh, but I'm a big music nerd. So uh, I collect vinyl records. I like oh, stereo wow. equipment. You know, I used to play the drums, you know, haven't in a long time, but uh, I love music. And that's a, that's a big passion of mine on the side. So favorite uh, genre? I, well, so, you know, I used to actually collect um, kind of funk, R&B, soul records from like the you know 50s and 60s. But I love all kinds of music, jazz, you know, rock, everything. So I'm just uh, kind of a polyglot when it comes to uh, kind of comes to music. Awesome. Awesome, man. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's talk data. So we've all heard about the importance of data. It's every, every you can almost open an article without somebody talking about data governance know, right? or yeah. data strategy, data analytics. But I feel like many people don't really connect the dots on how data strategy enables business decisions. So can you help the audience better understand it, the role that data should play in an organization? Yeah, well, well, maybe what I'll do first is kind of just start start by where I see a lot of our customers and clients at DOS42, where, where we see them coming to us with different challenges. And so I joke with a lot of folks that the job that we do at DOS42 is really about getting people off of spreadsheets. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with spreadsheets, but, you know, a lot of folks, even in big companies, traditional enterprises, they're still using a lot of manual processes, and this is taking up a lot of a lot of time from high value analysis. It's also prone to error, and there's just you know a pretty big issue of you know if your spreadsheet says one thing and my spreadsheet says another thing, <laughs> you know we're arguing about who has the right numbers, right? And as opposed to you know talking about insights with data and what should we do about the numbers, like you know okay what what were orders yesterday? If I ask ten different people in a company that question, I'm going to get ten different answers a lot of times, and so it really. The challenge is not from a technological standpoint. There's really great software out there. There's really great analytics technology out there. I've seen kind of state of the industry reports and stuff like that. And there's literally like a thousand logos on this kind of you know industry map that you, you've kind of seen this, right? And so our customers that we, we work with at DOS42, they're coming to us with these challenges, but they don't necessarily know where to start. They know there's great technology out there, but nine times out of 10, these are really organizational challenges that we help our customers with rather than technology problems. Certainly, technology is a big enabler and a huge component of any sort of data-driven culture. But, you know, again, really, it's these organizational processes that we help our customers with. And when when customers are doing it right, <laughs> which can take, <laughs> take time, yeah. um, what kind of impact should they expect to see in terms of the way the organization operates or the returns it generates or the decisions yeah. that they make? Yeah, really great question. So, you know, as I kind of alluded to a second ago, those discussions and arguments around whose data is right, whose numbers are correct, those type of things just kind of fall to the side. And now instead of talking about 
issues with data, data quality, you know, is this the right definition for orders or customers or whatever it is that you're talking about? Those arguments fall to the wayside. And now we're talking about what do we actually do about these things? What are the drivers behind these changes in the numbers? What what do we do to try to address, you know, market opportunities and threats and things like that? But it's also about getting data to individuals across the organization. And, you know, clearly you have in a lot of companies, you have IT and other engineering type folks that are very technical. They have the skills and capabilities to access data themselves, but it's the people on the front lines of the business, the marketing team, the sales team, the finance team, those kind of folks often don't have the skills to work with data in a very technical sense. So it's really about enabling those folks who are domain experts, right? The marketing team knows the most about marketing and the sales team knows the most about the sales team or sales in a company. So it's really about how do we enable those folks to ask and answer their own questions without being limited by IT bandwidth and, and things like that. And so if a company, you know, companies probably have more data than they're even aware of, quite, quite yeah. frankly, <laughs> with true. all of the systems that they're running. If if all of a sudden they decide, okay, I, I really want to make it a focus to, to create a data-driven strategy, mm-hmm. where where do they start? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, like I kind of said at the top of the show here, a lot of people are already working with data and numbers within their within their organization. And oftentimes what we see is that there's these, these data silos. So especially in, in the days of you know, software as a service applications, you know, every business is being run by you know, 10, 15 different applications, could be Salesforce, could be Google ads, whatever it is. So what we see a lot of times is folks, you know, literally logging into these platforms, downloading disparate data sets, combining them in Excel, those type of things. So really what it's about is centralizing your data first and foremost in an automated fashion. So that kind of manual prep work and that manual information retrieval goes away. And then the data is is fresh, right? In other words, you know, we're not looking at data from two weeks ago or three weeks ago or last month. We're looking at data for like yesterday or today or, or now, right? So decisions are able to then be made in a much more informed fashion, you know, based on fresh data, automated data. Now we're not doing manual retrieval. And then also the other piece is having a standardized set of definitions so that when you're talking about revenue and I'm talking about revenue, we know what we're talking about, right? So should revenue include tax or should it include shipping, right? How do we deal with refunds? And this is all stuff, again, that's not really a technological issue. It's basically like you and I having to agree on what we're talking about. And so that's the, the, the data governance piece comes in. And that's really what we help our customers do is roll out these data governance programs define their metrics and definitions for dimensions and other things like that, standardize those definitions in a way that's automated and sort of trusted, and then getting the data to everyone in the company. So like I alluded to a second ago, getting the data to the frontline folks on the business so that they can ask and answer their own questions. And so when a company has that in place and they have near real-time you know, 24 hours <laughs> near, <laughs> right. near real-time data to make those types, types of decisions, it has to impact culture in some regard. And so, you know, you mentioned in our prep, you know, data-driven culture, help Mm -hmm. us unpack that a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, so, so here's an example that we actually talked to a a customer of ours recently, and this is relevant to, to the sales folks who are listening. A lot of times, you know, a salesperson's calling out a customer, they may be looking for a renewal or cross sell or, you know, upsell type situation. And, you know, we've heard of, of sales folks calling on customers and then getting blindsided that the customer isn't happy. Maybe they have like 10, 15 different support tickets that are open, right? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I'm the salesperson, I call up the customer, I'm like, hey, you know, are you interested in XYZ upsell, cross sell, whatever it is? The customer's like, no, I'm not. I'm really upset, right? Because I have these <laughs> support tickets that are open. And then, of course, the salesperson is just surprised and blindsided by that. And that's not a great experience for the customer. It's not a great experience for the sales team. 
So for example, what we've been able to do with a lot of our customers is create what we call customer health dashboards. It brings up all the information that's relevant to a customer on one screen. So it's like support tickets, contract renewal dates, usage of a product. If it's like maybe a SaaS company that we've worked with, it'll show all their product usage data. When's the last time they've logged in? All these types of different things that that you know are relevant to the to the salesperson when they're calling on this account. And uh, you know that basically then saves that customer or that salesperson from getting blindsided by these different issues that maybe are there. And so they're, they're able to be proactive and we're able to set up like automated alerts, for example, that say, hey, this person has 10 open support tickets. You should call on them and, and make sure that they're getting their concerns addressed. Or, <laughs> hey, this contract is coming up for renewal in 10 days and they haven't logged in in you know, 90 days or something like that. So having that proactive information really starts to drive that behavior and really just leads to better business outcomes. Because, like, for example, if the salesperson has that information at their fingertips, they're going to be able to more effectively you know, sell or make sure that the customer is successful with the product that they're selling. Absolutely. And so... We think about data analytics, there's a lot of agreement on what you know the data set is, how it's compiled, that yep. type of stuff. A lot of people don't spend time thinking about that stuff, <laughs> but they yeah, need totally. <laughs> access to it. They need access to the results. You're talking about that customer health uh, mm-hmm. profile or, or readout. Does that enable self-service analytics? So if I'm somebody who doesn't have the the you know data strategy mindset, but I need yep. the numbers, I can go someplace and just get the information I need to make the decisions and not bother IT help help kind of it, it, flesh yeah. that out a little bit. Yeah, that, that's, that's really the goal. Right. And, and I mean, you know, there's, there's great technology out there. We're partners with Looker, which is a self-serve BI tool, but there's plenty of other BI tools out there that really enable folks to kind of slice and dice their numbers, drill down, generate their own reports, their own dashboards. So it's a true self-service model, but with the self-service model comes like you're kind of talking about, I needed to understand what I'm looking at. I need to understand what these numbers mean and, and kind of what, you know, what they're telling me. And so that's kind of around data literacy that we work with our customers on. There are things like data catalogs that sort of pair some of the technical information around data with the business definitions. So like that's really the key thing that, that we, we like to do with our customers is set up these kind of programs that you know, cover data quality, they cover data catalogs, they cover data liter- literacy. We also do a ton of training and enablement with our with our customers. So in other words, we'll need to sit down with the sales team and walk them through that customer health dashboard. And we need to make sure that all these things that, that they would expect to see, we need to work with them to understand what that is and also making sure that we're talking about the right labels for things. And, you know, we need to really understand their business process first and foremost before we can go just creating an IT solution. A lot of, a lot of times that we've come into places with failed data analytics projects, it's typically because it's been driven from IT and not from the business. So that's the number one, <laughs> that's the number one rule that I will still just say for success for these kind of projects is start with those business use cases first and then work backwards from there. If you're, if you're doing it from a technology standpoint, oftentimes it, it ends up delivering less value to the business than, than you might think. Absolutely. And so there's also an interesting challenge around not necessarily from an internal standpoint, although I guess you could argue it is, but data privacy for for your customers yeah. and then the changing regulatory environment, you know, Google's yeah. decision to, to change the way they handle cookies and things like that, enabling CDP platforms and things. So yep. how do you, when you look out across the horizon, <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's the future of data analytics look like? Is it going to be another industry where it is just in a constant state of change and there there has to be somebody focused on ensuring an organization's in compliance in terms of how they're collecting, analyzing, or applying their data? Or is there something on the horizon that will help stabilize it a little bit? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, certainly we've always had to consider, even before the recent regulations uh, have come into effect, we've always had to consider data access and privacy. I mean, we work with very large public companies, for example, and there's obviously lots of non-public financial information that folks have access to. And so we always have to consider who should get access to what, what level of access they should have. And so that that's something that we always work with our customers around. In terms of some of the you know more recent impacts, like you mentioned, the Google uh, cookie policy changing and things like that, I mean, that's that's very difficult. I mean, there, there's obviously no one can predict kind of the regulatory environment going forward. And, you know, by no means are we sort of lawyers or legal folks. So, you know, we, we, we mostly take our customers sort of regulatory posture into consideration, but they have to drive that for us. And, you know, we're able to implement it on a technical standpoint. But like I said, we always have to consider data access, data privacy. We do a lot of work to, you know, anonymize data for our customers so that they're able to have, for example, very detailed level of, of data, but it's an appropriate level that doesn't necessarily reveal personally identifiable information, for example. And, and they're able to do the analyses that they want to do, but, you know, sort of still maintain a, an appropriate sort of you know security and, and privacy posture. In terms of kind of the future, I think, of the industry, I mean, certainly there's a, there's a lot of change and, and there will be. But I think, we, you know, at the end of the day, the strategy that we employ is kind of technology exhaust, agnostic, really. It's about, you know, centralizing your data, standardizing it with a kind of semantic layer, as we call it in the business, and then also getting data to every everyone in the company. So, so that strategy, I think, is, is tried and true and will t- continue to work going forward. What we start to see a little bit more mature customers ask us for is, you know, okay, let's say we got our data in a data warehouse and we got a BI tool that lets the sales team have that customer health view that I talked about, for example. And now customers are asking us, okay, what else can we do with our data? And now it's talking about, we start to talk about activating on data. So getting data to your email service provider so you can create customized, personalized emails and getting it to push notifications and other types of activation that you can do. Even putting things like creating applications with data that allows folks within a company to have a very curated, specific experience to what they're trying to do and inserting data into their everyday workflows. I think, you know, machine learning, AI, that stuff's still a little bit further out on the time horizon. I think most of the customers that we're working with and and a lot of things that we see in the industry are still just getting the basics down. So I think there's still, you know, three to five years of companies still adopting a lot of these technologies and really creating a mature kind of, you know, data analytics program at the first level. And then from there, starting to build out applications on top of data, activating on the data, and then eventually we'll get to machine learning. (laughs) <laughs> eventually. And, <laughs> yeah, eventually, you know, I love it when people, you know, oh, there's artificial intelligence in there. Uh huh. Let's have a conversation about what that really. Yeah, is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a naturally skeptical person, so I'm always a little bit skeptical of that. But you, you know, you, you see it on, you know, I watch a lot of golf, and you know, they have a lot of you know enterprise type AI things out there on advertisements when you're watching golf. But you know, I think the truth is, a lot of people are still just at square one, and there's a lot of work to still do to get to get folks to the point where they're able to embrace those type of new technologies. And, you know, from a consulting perspective, that's really what we help our customers do is understand the art of the possible, right? And say, okay, what's possible? Where is the cost benefit and impact to your business makes sense to actually do some of these initiatives? You know, it's not just AI is one one thing and machine learning is one thing. It's going to be many things. And a lot of folks are still going to have to figure out what is the right sort of mix of software versus, you know, services versus internal resources to go capture these initiatives and where do we actually apply data to the, to the business to actually get outcomes? Um, so that, that's something that I think folks will continue to need help with. All right. Love it. So now we've gotten a good sense, I think, of what DOS 42 does. Help us understand how you arrived 
how do you arrive there as the CEO? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I mean, like I, I've been in the industry for a long time. So I was most recently the head of business intelligence at Jet.com before they uh, sold to Walmart and held senior analytics roles at Etsy. So I, I've been on the other side of the table, not as just a consultant, but as a practitioner. And I mean, believe me, I uh, have learned lessons the hard way and banged my head against the wall like a lot of our customers have. But I think we've been able to, I've been able to kind of, you know, be a little bit of an early adopter on some of these technologies and methodologies. I've learned a ton over my career and really just wanted to share those lessons with other folks and try to save them a lot of the headache that I experienced. Um, so started the company back in 2016 and, uh, you know, have grown it since then. But really, my passion has always been, you know, in analytics and data and helping customers solve problems with data and technology. And so I feel lucky to be able to do that on a day-to-day basis now. So... <laughs> and and as you lead the team and you know focus on the business what's your strategic business objective for DOS 42 Yeah so I mean I think there's a really great opportunity I mean you know like I said before our, a lot of people out there are struggling with these kind of things and and like I said my passion is to help folks solve those problems and I think there's a great opportunity to go do it I mean, we're, we're exclusively focused on modern cloud technologies when it comes to data and analytics. So I think that's a little bit of a differentiator for us relative to some of the bigger consulting firms out there. So I think we have a great opportunity to continue to grow the business. We just uh, received some private equity investment earlier this year. We're partners with Snowflake, and that ecosystem is growing uh, really, really fast. So you know, our, our goal is just to keep doing what we're doing. And uh, you know, hopefully in the next few years, we'll be able to grow the company to somewhere around 250 people and I think fill a gap in the marketplace because you have the big consulting firms that aren't necessarily focused on the um, newer technologies. They have sort of a different service model than we do. So I think we're able to be agile and you know, really expert in the technologies that we support. So we're going to continue to grow the business and just kind of double down on what's working. So we're really excited to go do that. Awesome. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply, as a CEO, that makes you a prospect for a lot of people out there. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm always curious to know when somebody doesn't have a uh, trusted referral or reference into you, what works for you in order to capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, to your point, I do get hit up a lot by different services and (laughs) vendors and things like that. You know, a part of me, I was kind of thinking about this, you know, before the interview here, and I I think it has to really, you know, solve a problem that I have. I mean, I I know that obviously sounds sort of intuitive, but like the other day I was thinking of, oh, man, we really have this issue with, um, you know, whatever it is. I can't even remember, but I I had this problem they were wrestling with internally. And then I got I got an email message from some service and I was like, actually, this might this is relevant to what the problem I was trying to solve. So I think, you know, the thing like that I've noticed is that a lot of folks are trying to understand where we are as a company and what problems we might have. You know, I think a lot of services providers out there or vendors, they, they have kind of a, a customer journey map and things like that. So catching us at the right time with the right sort of solution really does work well. But timing is everything, right? So understanding, hey, we, we just raised private equity investment, for example, we might be growing. So we need recruiting services like that's that's a good, um, you know, a good bet, right? And, and certainly we are trying to grow. So we do need recruiting <laughs> services, for example. So it's just finding the right message at the right time and solving an actual problem and also providing a little bit more differentiation. I mean, obviously, there's like a million recruiting services out there, for example. So why is your service different or, or those type of things? It's got to be some sort of hook that's going to be like, OK, maybe that is something that I'll check out. Uh, it's a little vague, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a great it's a great point. It's a great point and, and well stated, I think. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. One piece of advice, only one that you could give to marketing sales professional services people, anybody that you believe would help them hit their hit or exceed their targets, what would it be and why? 
<laughs> well, of course, coming from a, a data person, it's creating a holistic <laughs> view of your company and your customer. That's super critical. I think that customer health dashboard that I talked about before, something like that is super critical. And you know, that is, I think that the simplicity of that concept of the customer health, da- health dashboard is belied by a lot of complexity underneath that. So you know, that's really the key. And getting all your data sources together in one place, merging them, creating a holistic view of your customer, holistic view of your company, you know, tying marketing, for example, marketing spend to outcomes and customer success and other things like that. You really can only do that with a, uh, you know, a pretty robust data analytics solution. So I'm a little biased there, but certainly that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I would say. <laughs> awesome. I love it. All right, Nick, if listeners interested in talking more about these topics or reaching out to you to learn more about DOS42, where do you want us to send them? What's the best place? Well, DOS42.com certainly is a good place to start. My email is also just Nick at DOS42.com. So feel free to hit me up directly. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking time today. Oh, my pleasure, Chad. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Talk to you soon. All right. All right, everybody. You know the drill. Does it for this episode. Hit us up at b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Leave us a review if you like what you hear. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.